Good morning to everyone. It is a great joy for me to see each and every one of you here physically and joining us online. Nagpatong nagyuta sa December, no? We are celebrating our first Sunday of December. My, how time flies. And it's the season uh, to, to, that we are, specifically as Filipinos, dinhita ga think of gifts that we could give for our loved ones especially. Now, of all the months no, in a year, December happens to be the month we celebrate the birth of Christ and we think of how it is so blessed to give than to receive and we think of the gift that we receive from God that is also a, a season where we think of giving gifts for our loved ones. So I want you to have this in mind as we are going to read today's passage in Hebrews chapter 10 that as I am looking for a suitable gift for my loved ones here, how about in my relationship with God? Is my gifts to God, my, my offering, my life to God, a, a, a pleasing sacrifice? Is it, is it a pleasing life to God? Would, would my acts of worship to the Lord be received as acceptable before God? And that's what I want you to have in mind as we read this passage in Hebrews 10. Because the audience here in Hebrews 10, verses 1 to 18, comes from the people who grew up in the religion of Judaism. with the law of Moses that was given by God, and they've been living in this tradition, and they've been offering sacrifices to the Lord, and it's a way, and then they get to hear the message of Jesus Christ. And for the first time in their life, they are following something that they have not grown up with, a, a new way of worshiping God, and then hardship happens in their life. And as hardship happens in their life, they're thinking, well, if it's the same, you know, uh, me following God, and maybe I just want to go back na lang to my old life. In the old way we used to do it, before life got harder and harder, and many of them have already been, have already done it. They've, they've left the faith because they went back to their old way. So I want us to have that, is that, is, is all, are all worship to God acceptable to God? So let's see. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 to 18. Now the law, and that's the law of Moses, the law given to them in the Old Testament, the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices, repeated endlessly, year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. If it could, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. Because it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, 
when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. And first he said, Sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings, you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, although the law required them to be made. Then he said, Here I am. I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Since that time, he, Jesus, waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. Because by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. And the Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, This is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. I'd like to call this message the perfect sacrifice. And before we begin, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask for help. Lord, we are humbly coming before you as, a, as the ecclesia, the gathered assembly of believers here, specifically in Gusa. I pray, O oh Lord, that you would help us as by your ordained way of us learning about your word through the preaching of your word through foolish men like me and like so many others. I pray, O oh Lord, that you would help each and every one of us here listen to your living word, your relevant word, your all-important, precious, wonderful word. And help us see the truth of Christ's perfect sacrifice and how we who are all sinners were made perfect and now could offer acceptable worship unto you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, one of the reasons and, and the season here is that when we look for a gift for someone, no, when we're giving, we try to find a suitable gift. We try to find a gift that would be appreciated by the person that we are giving it to. But somehow, sometimes, no, I think if you all experience this, if you've been in the, in the wonderful ministry of being able to give gifts, is that sometimes we can receive gifts and we have been giving gifts as well that were not as appreciated 
that were not received with as much gladness. Or in fact, were not really, uh, in, in other words, kung Tagalog pa, hindi nagustuhan sa, na, sa the one that received it. And if it's true for human uh, relationships that we are in this giving of gifts, is it possible that in our giving of gifts and service and life for the Lord, some of what we do are actually something that the Lord is not pleased with. That something that we try in the name of God to give unto Him an offering, a sacrifice, a worship, some good works, is actually not making God happy. That even though you're saying, I'm doing this for the Lord, I'm giving this to you, Lord, He doesn't find pleasure in your offered gift. So today... I want us to follow the perfect sacrifice that Jesus Christ, who is the image of Christ, of God, gave the gift that God, that Jesus gave unto God and for us all as the way that we ought to worship God in our lives. So let's start with verse 1 and says, the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. Shadows, realities, he's been talking about shadows since chapter 8. You see, shadows, he meant about it in, in, in the area of the temple, in, in the area of the covenant. Now, he's talking about the law, specifically about the law in the sacrificial system. See, the law is the, the one that told them to offer sacrifices for the Lord for the forgiveness of their sin. They have to do this so that their sins will be forgiven. But here, now, in the closing argument of our preacher, and just like any courtroom, no, he's been the he's, He taught that since chapter 7, chapter 8, 9, 10. Four wonderful chapters just devoted to teaching us truth after truth after truth of Jesus, the wonderful high priest, him arriving, and now the old covenant is set aside and the new has come because of Christ. This is now the reality of all worshipers of God. Now, he's talking here in his closing arguments. And after this passage will be now the start, once again, of practical living out this truth. And in chapter 11 would be a verse after verse of examples of how this faith in the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ, faith in Christ, leads us in practical living. Even in chapter 10, after his closing argument here in this passage, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, you know that? A lot of us know that. Do not give up meeting together or some in the habit of doing. Here is the truth. In this closing argument, he's going to tell us why, when, even though a lot of people have, as he talks about that in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, those who have been remaining should stay. And why they should stay? And the truth has been there, and it is the truth that would anchor you and me even today. 
So shadows and realities. It's not the first time he talks. And shadow, the shadow, the law is just a shadow. In the shadow, you cannot even distinguish the features, the facial features of the shadow of a human being. If I just look at a shadow, I can't tell what you look like. I can't tell your personality. I, no, because the shadow is just a silhouette. It's a lot of things you know, that you cannot know or realize through shadows. But the realities themselves, we have known that the reality, the exact image of what the law has been pointing us to, towards, is Jesus Christ and He has arrived. And the law is not the reality is just merely a shadow of the good things. And the good things of Jesus Christ has come already in His coming. And so, realities and, and the shadow, He says, because the law is just a shadow because it can never, by the, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year as the law the shadow has demanded for them to to make and do for, for their entire lives make perfect those who draw near to worship the hebrew writer loves this word he keeps uh, no and and you might understand the uh, misunderstand and say well this is this perfect living meaning i'm, I'm not supposed to uh, sin anymore right no the, the make perfect here is bring you to salvation, okay? Can never save you. Law keeping can never save you. The law could never save you. Make perfect your relationship, your salvation to God. That even though you draw near to worship, if you try to draw near to God by by law keeping, by good minist works, ministry, you know, try to make up your sin with more good works, you will never be able to be made perfect, be saved by your offering of worship to God. You can never make up for your sin, pay for your sin with good works, even law keeping. So the law was not meant to do it. It was merely a shadow of what Christ would bring. What we now see is the desire of people in their pursuit of religion. And what is the desire of people to put as they pursue religion, do and practice anything? We have a lot of religions in the world. They desire to draw near to God, to be able to worship God. All of us, that has been written in our hearts. We have a common desire. But a lot of people try to draw near to God, to worship God with these things, like here in the Hebrew case, law. Offering a sacrifice of keeping the law, and it could never make perfect these worshipers could never save these worshipers. They could never go draw near to God. And he makes a case, the, the, the preacher does. He says, because if it could, you know, if it could, then 
they would have stopped offering sacrifices because they've done it already. You see, it could not save the person because they have been, they had to keep on repeating it. Year after year, they would have to go back to the temple because there's that hold of the law over them. Stop keeping that, boom, your sins are not forgiven, right? And the law could never bring them in perfect, in a perfect, the finished state of being saved because it was never meant. God gave it to them. There was a purpose because it was a shadow of the things, of the wonderful things to come. Now, he says here, for the worshipers, not only would they have stopped doing it already, and why, why do you think they'd have to keep going again and again? Because even though they go to the temple and offer the sin sacrifices from the, the blood of animals, they would have been cleansed and would have no longer felt the guilt of their sins. So the reason why people have to go, and this was preached last Sunday, by the way, right? That guilt doesn't go away. That even though you try to, you know, the, 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 the example last Sunday was the restaurant, restaurant owner told you now you don't have to pay, but there was still a cost. The guilt didn't go away. You still did not pay for your bill. So for those of us who break the law of God, those of us who have sinned in our lives, even if we do good works, the guilt for our sin doesn't go away. That even though we don't, you go to church and you do so religiously, the act of going to church, the act of praying doesn't, or any good works, charity, you know, uh, doing and serving and many other things that you do for the name of good and for the name of God would never remove the guilt over you that you are a lawbreaker, a sinner. And God's judgment is still on you. His wrath would still be on you because the guilt is still there. And His law demands that for those who transgress the law, death is the payment. Your life you must die. So what happened? Because it was something that could not remove the guilt, it became a reminder that every year as they go and offer the sacrifices, it reminds them that what they're doing is, has never been making them perfect before the Lord. It's never given them salvation. Now think about that. It's like this, if, and it's a time of pandemic, no? so we know that if we get sick today with this uh, dreadful disease, it could mean your life. But what if here comes a very smooth talking salesman and offers you a bottle of medicine and tells you, well, I promise you that if you take this medicine, whatever sickness you'll have, even this dreadful pandemic disease, You'll get healed. And so you believe that, you pay, and you bring it home, it's there with you, and you take it religiously because that's the promise, right? You're not gonna get sick. But then, what if you did? 
get sick still. And as your health is growing worse and worse, you're, on, you're getting weaker day after day, as you look at that medicine bottle, what will come to your mind? What will come to your mind is this, ah, the one that gave it to me promised me it didn't deliver. This medicine doesn't work. It's become a reminder for you now that what it promised, what you're doing and what you have done was not effective. So as they are now coming, are coming here in the temple and offering the sacrifices, they have been reminded of the, their guilt of their sin, that the reality that they have to, go, I have to do this next year. I'm going to go back here next year again, offer a sacrifice for my sins because it could never pay in perfect, with perfect, the perfect payment for my sin. Now, that's why he says, and with great emphasis, just because, because it's impossible for the blood of bulls and the goats to take away sins. It can't do it. Modern day versions of this would be, it's impossible to offer good things, good works to the Lord, good intentions to the Lord, good ministry to the Lord. Every charitable act that you try to offer to the Lord can never take away sins. So what can take away sin therefore? What sacrifice can? Because the law demands a sacrifice, the law of God. And then he gives, the preacher does, these wonderful words of Christ. And you have to take note, this is a quotation from Psalms chapter 40. David wrote this, but he puts the penned words of David into the mouth of Christ Jesus as if Christ Jesus is the one saying this. Let's see what Christ said why he could offer the perfect sacrifice and why this perfect sacrifice should be only basis on how we worship God. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. What do you mean? God does not desire the sacrifice, the, the good works, the good things that we do. He doesn't like it. It's not the one that is an acceptable payment for him to be made in, to have a right relationship with him. You can never buy God with a ton of good works. God is incorruptible. He is holy. We cannot win God's favor by doing good things, thinking that this is what pleases him. And so Jesus Christ says, if you want to ever, if you want to know who God is, what he likes, what he doesn't like, all you have to do is fix your eyes on Christ Jesus. If you've ever wondered, how can I worship God? How can, it, how can my life please God? You don't have to look elsewhere. You look at Christ Jesus. He shows us and, and by his example, leads by example. He doesn't only walk. He doesn't only talk. He walks the talk. You see, we'll have a lot of Christian leaders and says, well, but follow, just follow what I say, just don't follow what I do. 
Christ in his words, his teaching, his living shows you the perfect sacrifice on how we can worship God and God would say, I am pleased with you. And he says, this sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. And, and if you're if you read your Bible right now in 40, uh, chapter 46 to 9, you would notice that that's not a body there but an ear. But that's where the only word that differ, but that's, the meaning stays the same. Okay? That a body, Jesus said, you have prepared for me. In other words, if the psalmist said, I have received your word, I have experienced your love, your grace so much that I have now have an ear uh, my body, my life now that you have prepared for me is something that I want to live. And you'll see in his flow of thought how he would live. Because in his understanding of who God is, he says, burnt offerings and sin offerings is not going to please you. That's not what you're after from me. That's not what will please you. And if you love someone, and you're thinking of giving gifts to someone. Isn't that the same, the same pattern as we try to understand where this is coming from? I want to please the one I love. It's not forced. It's not unwilling. It's a wonderful, it's coming from the welling of the heart to say I love because of love. Because I've received your love. I want to please you, love. Now, if I know that burnt offerings and sin offering doesn't please you, what does? Jesus says, here I am. It's written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will. Jesus' whole purpose in coming to earth to die, as, uh, uh, even though uh, as a sinner, even though he is sinless, to take all the sins of those who would believe him, to ransom for many. The reason he says he does all of that, goes through the betrayal, goes through the hardship, goes through everything, pain, is to do the will of God. You know, you want to know what is the only way that God would say, that's an acceptable worship. If it is in accordance to his will, if it's doing his will. So what does he do? After he quotes Psalm 40, he now gives his own explanation. Okay? So you could really say, you know, after a direct quotation that this is what Jesus said, now I'm going to explain to you guys what that meant okay, for, for your time. So he says, first, take note, he said, right? Sacrifice and offerings, burnt offerings and sin, sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, although it was required by the law you, that you gave us. But that was not what you were after. That was not something that you... That, that was the reason why it could, we could have a right relationship with you. No, 
It was to do your will. Now, talking about that, I want us to understand then that obedience to God is the only true sacrifice for the Lord. That's how Jesus showed us, right? I came to do the will. Why is, my, why is Jesus' sacrifice the perfect sacrifice? Because from start to finish, he completely obeyed God's will. Now, it's not a new thing. And I'm going to give you several points in the Old Testament where this is not only found in Psalms, but it's found in all, all over. This is the heart of the Lord. He, he, this is how he has been telling his people how to worship him. 1 Samuel 15.22 tells us that Samuel told Saul, King Saul, Saul, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? Now make sure, no? Don't misunderstand me. These are good works. These are good things. I mean, it takes a lot of sacrifice, money, effort. These are good well, think about it. What would make the Lord have delight in what you're offering Him? You better not waste it. You better not waste your life. So the Lord great, takes greater delight in obedience to Him. Surely to obey is better than sacrifice, than to heed the fat of rams. Now, I want you to open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 15 because I want to go through it quickly so you know why Samuel really emphasized this. You see, the, the whole story opens up in 1 Samuel chapter 15 verse 1 that this is the Lord now saying Lord, to Samuel, a message to King Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you king as king over his people, over Israel. Now, therefore, listen. Familiar term? Listen to the word of God. We hear that in Hebrews a lot. It's so important. Listen. Listen to his voice. Listen to him. It's so critical. Now, what happens? The, the verse two, 2 to 3 is the command. The Lord says, listen, Saul, this is... I'm going to send you to the land of this, uh, to punish Amalek, the land of Amalek, okay, the Amalekites, because they've done these horrible things. Now, go and strike them, in verse 3, and utterly destroy them. Don't leave anything behind. And he says, don't spare anything, man, woman, child, infant, ox, sheep, camel, and donkey, everything. Every living, uh, breathing things out there, wipe them out, because of the hardness and sin that they have done. This is the will of God. Now what does Saul do? He displays initial obedience. In verse 4 to 7, Saul really starts out in the right place. Okay, he goes, calls his army. There's 200,000 of them and, and 10,000 from uh, uh, from Judah, and Saul goes to the city of Amalek, and, and they have a battle there. And in verse 6, um, they have now, uh, is, the, is the story there, as it goes on, and verse 7 tells us that Saul defeats them. So, 
because this is God's will for Saul. God gives the victory to Saul. And now, after Saul defeats the Amalekites, here now starts the root or the, the, where Saul deviates. Verse 8, he captures the king because he's victorious. He captures the king. And if you know, no, oftentimes in war, is that there's great value if you capture the king alive. Exchange for hostage, uh, political advantage, eh, a lot, a lot of, uh, in terms of um, money, power, you get a lot from a captured king. So the thought, the thinking would here would be, sayang naman. Sayang naman. Because a lot of good things can be done if, you know, we, we, we keep this uh, precious hostage. So here comes the, the start of deviation. What did the word of God say? Kill everyone. Because this is the will of God to punish the Amalekites. What does Saul do? The start of the reasoning starts. Sayang naman. A lot of good can be done. So he sets aside the king. Let's just excuse the king because total, we killing, we're killing everything naman eh. Right? Now, not only that, but verse 9 tells us that the people, Saul and the people, spared Agag, not only the king, here comes the train, the best of the sheep. Oh, the perfect sheep, the fattest, perfect cattle out there. What's the thinking? Same. Sayang naman. This could be offered to the Lord. Well, I know, I know what the Lord said, but looking, ah, sayang, the value is so, this is, we can't find this livestock back home. I'm sure the Lord will be pleased with this perfect, unblemished animals. But here's the thing. They said everything that they think is worthless is something that's imperfect or they despise, look down on, and worthless, they kill. You see the rationale behind their, their actions? They have convinced themselves that this will please the Lord. Surely not obeying the Lord is the one that pleases Him. Offering something like this perfect cattle, perfect uh, and, and wealth from the king, a lot of thing, good things can be done. Now, this is just a small thing. We've obeyed 95% of His commands anyway. Verse 13 tells us later on, as Samuel comes to visit him, Saul is so excited. He's totally blind now. He says, oh, Samuel. Oh, Saul said, I'm glad you're here. Blessed are you of the Lord. Well, I have carried out the commands of the Lord. In other words, for according to him, he has perfectly obeyed God. Because he has tried to justify his disobedience with this good things. Surely the Lord will be pleased. He's not worshiping God according to how God wants to be worshipped. He's trying to worship God 
how he wants to worship God. You see, when I, when I grew to in the hobby and in love for board games, you know, I tried to give my wife a perfect gift. I gave her and I researched. No, I, I looked at reviews and I gave her a board game. And I was thinking, perfect gift. I enjoy board games so much. I am sure she will be overjoyed and happy with this board game. I mean, it's for two players. Husband and wife, why not spend the whole night, romantic evening, playing board games? And you know what? When she received it, because she doesn't like board games, she didn't enjoy it. She didn't like it. And I'm thinking, the way we try to offer gifts, sometimes the, one, the ones that are rejected or not liked, is because it's what we like. It's not what who we're giving it likes. We're thinking of ourselves. We're not thinking of the one we're giving, the one we say we love. And here's, here comes the verse 16 to 19. And Samuel is saying, Saul, how come you're not listening? You're not, you did not obey God. Because if you say you obeyed, then what's this that I hear? The, 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 the sounds of animals. What's that king I see? And then Saul, you see, is the hardness of heart settling in. The refusal to repent. 20 to 21. Saul insists that I did obey the voice of God. I went on a mission. He sent me. I brought back the king. He can't see anymore. Because for him, to disobey is better because I'm, I'm sacrificing more. And so, therefore, here in verse 22, Samuel says, that's not the heart of God. God he said, surely, for God, he says, to obey him is better than sacrifice. To listen to him is better than any fat of rams. And you see that repeated again and again. Psalm 51, 16 to 17. For you have, you have no delight in sacrifice. It's a filthy rag for the Lord. Sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a contrite heart. You know what that is? Someone who's realized he's got nothing good to offer God. He's bankrupt. I've got nothing, Lord. And that's someone that when you now say, oh, I sinned, that's someone that will repent willingly. Not like Saul, still proud, unbroken, and saying, ah, my means justifies the end because look what I can offer God. That's a proud spirit right there, thinking you can worship God better than how He tells you to worship Him. But a broken and contrite heart, the Lord will not despise. In Hosea, for I des desire steadfast love and not sacrifice. Steadfast love means faithfulness right there. It's not, a, it's not a love that tries to justify its unfaithfulness with trying to make it up for gifts later on. Steadfast love because this is what counts with God. And the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. 
You got to know His truth. A lot of people just blindly try and live and religiously not even knowing who God is in His truth that is revealed in His Word, not really knowing the Son. They just offer burnt offerings. They just offer, you know, whatever they've grown up with. God takes no desire or love for that. Sorry. <laughs> but uh, John 8, 29, Jesus says that even as He come, he, His arriving was just to do the will of the Lord. That's what he was all about. That's a, the perfect heart of a worshiper there that God will take pleasure in. Is your faith like that? Does your faith in Christ Jesus make you to have this broken, contrite heart? That if you do sin, will you then, in accordance to the Lord, listen to him and go back? Is your love steadfast? Or has it been that you have tried to buy God's forgiveness and favor by making up and offering sacrifices that he doesn't take pleasure in, in the thinking that that is what makes him happy? That's why he said, this is Jesus. Here I am. I have come to do your will. The Lord sets aside the first because of Jesus Christ doing what us, all of us could not do. He offered the perfect sacrifice for all of us to pave the way. Because of Jesus' perfect obedience, we can now enjoy a right relationship with God and be made perfect and right in the Lord because of Christ perfect obedience our righteousness is not our own work anymore we don't but on the final is sacrifice of Christ Jesus the perfect sacrifice that pleased God that satisfied God and by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Isn't it amazing that the, that the once and for all sacrifice of Jesus Christ, and just like any great works, no? Think about it, Mona Lisa, the, the, the great works in the world that we have, the works of wonder. Have you, has, has it ever crossed your mind that why do, don't we have duplicates of those great works? I mean, Mona Lisa, why not just, if it's so beautiful a picture, why not just copy it and then, you know, because the original work could not be duplicated, could not be repeated. A wonderful work, as we know in the world, can't be repeated again. That's why they're, they're, they're wonderful. Jesus Christ, is, His sacrifice is so perfect, is so holy, that nobody... And there's no need to repeat it ever because he, done, he did it. And this perfect sacrifice can now make holy those who would go near to the Lord to worship Him, trusting in Christ alone. 
So we have now have been made holy through this perfect once and for all sacrifice. And it's such a state of holiness that while day after day, he contrasts, no, he said, day after day, every priest stands and, and performs his religious duties every day. He has to do it all the rest of the year because it couldn't make holy those that were coming to this. And then again, he offers the same sacrifice which could never take away sins. But here we are, the high priest, Jesus Christ, who offered not other animals' blood, but his own life. He offers it for all time, one sacrifice for all. And then after that, unlike the other high priest, that other priest that had to do it every day, standing, this high priest sits down. Does that mean the one that stands is the one who serves? The one who sits is the one who governs. This is a king sitting down at the right hand of God. This is a king. Jesus Christ and his sacrifice and whatever he went through here, you think, no, it's thinking, oh, poor Jesus. No, no. Jesus Christ knew what he was doing and the payment and even his exaltation. Christ Jesus is not a poor soul weeping in heaven. He's sitting down in the right hand of God, victorious over sin and death. And those of us who would follow him will suffer the same fate as him and we will be looked down on, the, on the, this world. People will say, you are the most pitiful of all human beings because you're following Jesus Christ. You're missing out. You're losing out. And we have this. You know what? They're being tempted. Give up because it's so hard. Go back to my old religion. And here, the preacher tells them, you guys are not pitiful. You are going to suffer hardship. You are going to, some of you are going to die at the hands of evil men. Some of you are going to get sick and get, go home earlier than some of us. But you're not pitiful. You have a victorious high priest sitting down at the right hand of God. And what does he do? He's been waiting for the perfect time. His enemies will be made his footstool. So you think, well, I need to get back at the people here that's hurting me, that's, uh, that's making all this slander. Oh, no. I'll just wait. What are my fists? What is the size of my feet? Nothing. It can't even really hurt anybody. It's, it's at worst, it can just take someone's life. But here is someone who's waiting. At the perfect time, every enemy of Christ and his children will face this king. Injustice, being thrown to jail, being threatened to, kill, to be killed, is nothing. You got a king here who made the perfect sacrifice, king, high priest. And because of my one sacrifice, Oh, so good for children. God, He has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Oh, that we can, we can, we sin, we fail, but He will make you holy. He will perfect you from start to finish. He will make sure you go to salvation. 
you don't have an impotent high priest that has to offer his own uh, sacrifice of his own sin. You have a perfect high priest who can make you today and forevermore holy and set apart. Now, if you are cleansed by his will, he desires you to sanctify your life then. If you are cleansed and sanctified, then make yourself holy and live out holiness then. But no, you don't become holy because you're doing good things. God's not pleased with that. His only pleasure is the one sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice of Christ. That's how you get cleaned. That's how you make holy. Oh, now, closing time, 15 to 18, promise. Oh, such wonderful promise before practical living starts next week. Hang on to your seats because next week is going to be, this is how we're going to live then. If God, this is who we have as our God, as our high priest. We're going to get afraid then. We're, we're going to live out faith then. In chapter 11, here comes the champions of faith, examples of how faith is being lived out. Boom, 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 one after the other. But anchor ourselves first in this wonderful truth. Don't skip, don't skimp on how wonderful Christ is. He tried to live out his commands, not knowing who he is what he's done, and the promises he gives you, you just try to please him in your own effort. You'll fail. You'll be inconsistent. Listen, the Holy Spirit will testify to us about this truth. First, he says, this is the covenant, the new covenant I will make with his people, with his worshipers, says the Lord. I will put my law in their heart. You're going to want to live it out. You know it. He'll make sure you know it. He'll make sure you understand it. He'll make sure you want to do it. And I will write them in their minds. That's why Paul could later on say, be transformed by the renewing of your minds. You don't do it by yourself. You don't just say positive thinking as this world does it, to secularize it. No, because God has written his law and his love in your mind. You can be transformed in your mind. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts, oh, I will remember no more. Oh, the shame of what we have done in the past. You mean to say I could start clean? Yes, in Christ Jesus. Yes, we find all this. Yes, in Christ Jesus alone. You mean to say I can start fresh? I can listen to the Lord starting today? And the Hebrew tell you, yes, as long as this day is called today, listen, hear him. Turn away from your sins. Turn away from whatever you're trying to offer God, thinking that pleases him. Here is the perfect sacrifice that will make God say, I'll make a promise with you. I'll make a promise with you. I'm never going to remember your sins ever again. I'll cover because the blood of my son covers all your sin. And where? These have been forgiven. Your sins. Forgotten. Forgiven. Paid for in full. There is no longer any sacrifice for sin. And you can live your life of pleasing aroma unto the Lord. If you sin, you have an advocate who will say, his sins are paid for, his sins are forgiven, forgotten, no need for sacrifice. And the wonderful, freed, 
made holy worshiper can now live holy living for the rest of their lives. Can we give God a mighty clap of praise for this, our great high priest? Surely, if this is our anchor, Christ Jesus, oh, we're ready for anything. We're at war here. We're at war, but we're ready. Let's pray. Lord, we are so grateful, Lord, that you have this preacher tell us and devote solid, huge chunks of wonderful, solid meat of the truth upon truth upon truth of who God is. So that we, with our spirits full and filled with, this, with your word, could now listen to your word that tells us, do this, do that, don't do that. Follow, and we can, because we're not working on our own understanding and strength anymore. Oh, I pray, Lord, that as a church here in GCAF, we would truly look at the perfect offering, perfect sacrifice of Christ Jesus, and not insist on how we try to worship God by our own desire, our own ways and means, or what we used to grow up with, but to offer a living sacrifice, pleasing unto the Lord, like our brother, our king, our Lord, our savior, our great high priest, Jesus Christ. By his one perfect obedient life, we can also be made holy and live forevermore. Oh, I pray for those who don't know yet Christ Jesus in this way, those who still are, are stuck in the way Saul tries to worship God, I pray, Lord, that you grant them repentance, that they would give up all those. Heed the word, your word, your way, and receive your love in Jesus and Jesus. Mighty name, amen and amen.